Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I am TJ Van Toll, and with me on the panel today is Paige Niedringhaus. Hey, everybody. And our special guest today is Benjamin Farrell. And Ben, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about who you are, why you're famous, that sort of thing? Yeah. Am I famous? Who knows? I, I work at Adobe Design. I'm part of their prototyping organization. So I get to do a little bit of design, a lot of bit of development. We work on new and exciting things and try to help, uh, you know, designs forward with real, like, live prototypes that we can use. On the side, I, you know, I'm involved in, like, side projects that I don't finish that I hope to finish all the time. But I also <laughs> wrote a book. I, I wrote a book about web components called Web Components in Action. It's available at manning.com. So I guess the book might be why I'm famous if I have to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. Is there overlap? Like, is Web Components part of your design work at Adobe, or is it just a total side thing that sparked your interest? Yeah, no, uh, it was a side thing that sparked my interest back. This is reaching back maybe seven years ago. I was working at General Electric, and Web Components were first starting to come on the scene. And we started using them a bit there for our design systems. And yeah, I was kind of hooked, so I... I just kept wanting to use them. So I try to use them anywhere I can. You know, a big organization uh, like Adobe will have many different voices. So sometimes you can't use the tools of your choice. But I've been pretty lucky being a, in a prototyping organization where I can just use any tools I want for the most part and just I'll use web components. Cool. Well, maybe for our listeners that uh, aren't super familiar with web components, could you give like the like 101 level, just set the stage for, for what those are, why mm -hmm. your average React developer might care that they exist sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I'm, the 101, basically, you know, going back to the basics, web components are a set of standards, right? So there, there's the shadow DOM that prevents, like, leaky CSS style. You know, you can't reach in with whatever JavaScript you want past the shadow root and do whatever you want in the component. So there's a level of encapsulation there. And there's also the, uh, the custom element spec where I can say, hey, this tag is defined by this JavaScript file. So I can create my own components that are defined by a tag. So those are the two, those are the two basic standards that are comprised of web components. And you can kind of go on with some like semi-related things like JavaScript imports and you know HTML templates, but those aren't really, you know, anybody can use those. So those are kind of outside of the whole like web components, like core scene. But, you know, when people say web components, you know, you might mean that, the, those set of standards, you might mean the, the library, the helpful library you're working with today, which is, you know, I like the element by Polymer. Lots of people are using Stencil as well. So you might be talking about an ecosystem when you talk about web components in practice. So it's kind of, it's kind of a messy scene, I feel like. And that's, you know, that's, that's part of the pushback I, I think web components have had over the years. <laughs> so Ben, how did you get into web components as opposed to like the Angular framework, the React framework view? What mm -hmm. kind of drew you to that in particular? So, so a while back, uh, I think Angular was my last framework that I really looked at. Like, I actually came from a Flash background, and I had been doing that for a while. And then we kind of moved on as the world, and I started getting to JavaScript frameworks because I need my code organized. So, everybody starts out with jQuery. I was trying to get into Dojo a little bit, 
I ultimately like the 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 best the best one I landed on was Angular at the time. So I got really involved in that, and I kept finding myself having to do like very Angular specific things. You know, I was like, I could have done this in JavaScript easy or CSS easy, but now I have to do it in an Angular way. And I got a little frustrated with that. And I wasn't focusing on my like business logic of my applications. And I was focusing on Angular related matters. So I got a little frustrated with that. And then Angular, it was like at version one. So that kind of started uh, falling out of favor a little bit. And then the React was the next big thing. So I'm like, well, I could learn React being the best big thing, next big thing. But I really want to go back to no framework development. And I did that for a while. It was messy as expected, but then web components kind of started popping up. And this was around the uh, the Polymer library days, before Lit Element, before all that stuff. And you know, it was pre-version one, so it's still a bit messy, but I saw I saw the uh, I saw the draw, I saw what I was trying to go for there. So I started using web components and I kind of held on for several years, hoping it would pay off. And I I really think it did because I feel like, you know, right now, web components are almost boring to me because I don't have to worry about web components anymore. I can just do the business logic of my app and I'm having fun. And I I rely on like Lit Element and some helpers here and there, but I really feel like I'm kind of doing, for the most part, vanilla JavaScript. So that's that's kind of my story, how I got here. That's really cool. So you mentioned Lit Element. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that's not something that I'm familiar with. Sure, sure. So it's it's reactive style programming. So if you're familiar with React, how there's a, the virtual DOM and you, you, you make changes to the model and it kind of says, oh, what's the differences? And it will, will render stuff on your scene. What Lit Element does is it takes, it has two levels to it. So there's Lit HTML, which is a lower level library. That's takes care of the diffing for you. So you send, you take an HTML string and you, you know, you rewrite the HTML string and it lit element will, lit HTML will do the diffing for you and say, this change, we have to re-render this, whatever. So you're not writing JSX, you're actually writing like HTML in template literal strings. And it's really, it's really, it's really tiny library. It doesn't have that big, massive VDOM overhead. So there's the HTML, I think I get confused, lit Element is the one where it's kind of like it's kind of an API that over the the component API, the standard web component API. So it's kind of some helper classes. It, it's it's a helper class. It extends HTML elements, so you can go and do some nicer things. It used to be really handy when we needed to polyfill everything, but now we don't because web web sta- web component standards are standards now. But it does have some nice helpers and lit el- lit HTML is kind of baked into that. And so, you know, I was kind of against lit element when I first started using it because I'm like, I don't want another library. I'm trying to escape this stuff. But then I started writing my own helpers and I'm like, this looks a lot like lit element and lit element <laughs> did it a hell of a lot better. So I guess I'm using lit element. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Yep. <laughs> Actually, you brought up the sort of standard support. Is it like, what is standard support like in the the web browser world? Because you mentioned like no polyfills. Are you at a point where if you wanted to use these specs, like are you totally in like the polyfill free zone? Are there certain browsers you still have to be worried about? What's the status with that 
nowadays. You should worry about IE 11 and that's about it because so even Microsoft Edge was the last holdout in terms of evergreen browsers. So like Chrome, Firefox, Safari, we're all good now. There's some there's some things, there's some parts of the web component spec that kind of died out, especially with Safari. But the core things that we use today, you can use everywhere except IE 11. And Edge, we can use them there because it's Chromium Edge now. Okay, cool. And so then my, I think my next question is, so you mentioned using some of these libraries and custom elements and such without any framework. Do you think mm-hmm. it's a common thing to be using web components like as an alternative to a framework? Or do you see people like using custom elements, web components on top of something like Angular or React? Like I'm, I'm guessing like, so my question sort of two parts, mm-hmm. like what do you see the most common approach out there and sort of Would you recommend people try like web components inside of something like React or do you think it should be like a clean break and just say, Mm -hmm. try it as a completely alternate approach? I mean, personally, like, I think, I think you should try it as a clean break, but I don't know, I don't know if my curmudgeonly view is the most popular one. (laughs) You know, when I was writing the book, I was, I was very gearing it towards doing plain vanilla JavaScript, no frameworks. And I, I still stand by that. I've kind of let lit element creep into it as a helper library but I, i'm a real i really enjoy doing no framework development however if you if you really like react and angular and Vue, there's it's harder to get stuff working in react and i'm not i don't use react so i i have a hard time articulating why it's it's kind of the whole like props versus attributes situation, I believe, how, how React handles some of that stuff. But for, for some of the, the frameworks like Angular and Vue, you can just make a custom web component, drop it in, in as a normal DOM element, and it, it'll work. And what was I going to say? Like, so, like, if you're using, like, Vue components, like, for a good... One example I always go to is really complicated things. Like if you're building a view application and maybe you need some sort of like crazy thing to display 3D models, go to Google's model viewer, drop that web component into your view application, build up a UI around that in view. That's just fine. But you're kind of mixing in this native web component with a bunch of your UI. So, um, and all that, all that 3D stuff is encapsulated in that model viewer component and you can just use it. So there's, there's mixed approaches. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's your mileage. Like, like a, a bunch of organizations, including, you know, Adobe, you know, they're, they're going to have a ecosystem of, you know, whatever framework, be it React or whatever. And it's hard to inject a new, like, here, just use web components into this stuff we've been using for years and years and years. So I think it's it, it's going to be incremental in some places as well. So it's, it's just all over the place, I feel like. I have experience with injecting a web component library into a React application. And it wasn't it wasn't so much that it was difficult to get it to work together, but it was almost impossible to actually test it like writing unit tests integration tests those were extremely extremely painful being able to access stuff yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, there's a there's a great set of tooling there's a i don't know if you've heard of openwc but they've been doing some great they've been doing a great job in terms of like creating some tooling creating some building like i've been using es dev server to serve like my bundle list build list applications which is now under the umbrella modern web so they have web dev server but yeah they they're you know there's google is kind of handling the the library helper side with their end polymer and then openwc is a big thing in the community just to handle like all the tooling and stuff and they've been doing a great job 
Yeah, I know one case, like one sort of use case for web components I've heard of. And Paige, I think I think you've mentioned you're doing something similar to this is at a like company level, building things as web components so that they can be used in multiple apps, regardless of the frameworks being used. Because I know yeah. you've mentioned this at Adobe too. Lots of times technology decisions are sort of dependent on the team and what they're building. And mm-hmm. it's quite common to have a bit of Angular, a bit of Vue, a bit of jQuery, a little bit of everything. So I can Mm -hmm. see that being kind of compelling, just being able to drop something in and say like, well, it doesn't matter which framework you chose five years ago or whatever. We know this is going to work for you. So that was our that was our goal at GE when I was doing the design system work. Like everybody was using different like even even back then, like it was what around like 2012 or so. Like even React was just like, eh, we don't know about React. It's just something new. But everybody was using it and everybody was fighting with Angular and React. So we're like, let's let's do some web components. Everybody can use the web components. Doesn't matter what framework you use for your end application. So that was our goal there. And I think it worked until they closed that team down. (laughs) So Ben, what are some of the things that you've gotten to do as part of Adobe's prototyping team with web components? I'm really, that sounds like a really cool team to be on. And I'm curious, like what kind of cutting edge stuff do you get to try out? Mm, I, I will speak generally because I can't think of anything. The problem with prototyping is we're prototyping things that may or may not work out and they evolve into different things. So even the stuff that's launched due to my prototyping, I'm not sure what I can say. So what I will say is generally speaking, I've been doing a lot of like kind of mixing like canvas-based stuff, whether it's 3D or 2D canvas. You know, you think you think like Photoshop is a general example. You have a canvas. I've been, you know, making a canvas web component or a 3D canvas web component and then building a 2D UI around that. So like that's kind of my go-to these days because I really enjoy building 3D, 3D or like canvas drawing-based applications. And so like you can it's it's kind of a it's kind of a cool world because you're you're taking this this canvas-based thing. You can do that just vanilla JavaScript because you don't need you know dec- declarative UI there. You're just interacting with a canvas, so it's perfect for a web component. You like throw all this complexity there, whether it be a 3D engine, and you just deal with it from the outside. You don't worry about all those internals, and then you build the the 2D UI around it with like lit elements and just plain old CSS and HTML, and it's it's kind of nice working with. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, even even the stuff we've launched publicly, like when I say launch, I, I did uh, something with the DeYoung Museum last year that was web component based. And it was for an installation that we're like, like letting kids play around with. But it was like a one night thing. So I can't even share that. <laughs> oh, that's a shame that it doesn't live somewhere now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one thing I'm curious about with web components, I'm curious your perspective on it. You know, they've been around for a long time. I actually, I, I want to say like back in like even like 2012, 2013, we first started hearing of web components. Yeah. And I'd say like when they were first introduced, they were brought up as like this grandiose, like it's going to revolutionize the web. Everybody's going to be using it. Mm-hmm. And I'd say nowadays, like it's probably more of like a, a niche, like decent sized niche, but it's like there are more people using say like React and Angular and you than there are web components. And I'm curious, like your perspective on that. Like, do you think like web components are going to like grow over time? Do you think there's something like holding them back? Like some reason people are choosing things like React today more than just say, I'm going to build my next step specifically with web components. Do you see that sort of shifting over time? Mm-hmm. I 
I think it will. I think the big trouble, I think that what React and similar ecosystems have going for it is that they're a complete ecosystem. Like I can I can go to create React app and just like get everything working. And this is, I, I believe OpenWC has something like this now, but it's it's fairly new. But with React, you're just like, like you're, you're not making a bunch of decisions on serving, on testing, on a bunch of anything. You can, you just have those, the scaffolding set up for you. Web components, and this is kind of one of the things I like about using web components and just vanilla JavaScript in general. Like I have a bunch of choices. Like I have unique projects and I don't like all my decisions being made for me. So occasionally I'll have to cobble together some like workflows. And I think I think that's the problem that we're seeing that it's not more widely adopted because you can't just go somewhere to a definitive place and say, yes, this is exactly how I should do my application. I'm just going to read this and copy it. I think web components are in a, in a different place. And there's some efforts in the community by OpenWC. The Polymer team is starting to put up a repo of best practices, kind of like kind of miniature best practices going forward. I don't think they even started yet, but they're starting to put together the, the repo for it. So that's that's one aspect. What was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, no, I like the way you, you position that because I, I totally agree. Because to me, like, off the top of my head, just thinking if I were to use this, like I totally could see myself wanting to use com- web components on like a component basis, right? Like I need mm-hmm. this individual thing to drop in. Great. I'm going to use a web component. But yeah. putting myself in the shoes of I'm going to start a new app from scratch. The things that would be hard for me are things like, okay, well, if I'm using only web components, what am I, how am I going to do routing, right? Am I going to build mm-hmm. that sort of thing myself? How am yeah. I going to manage the state of my app? Where, like, how mm-hmm. is that going to happen? Like, whereas React, like, I know like there are sometimes too many choices out there for me mm-hmm. to, to do that sort of thing with, with web components. It's like, I'm going into some waters where I'm not sure what's out there. And maybe there isn't something like pre-baked that I can just say, like, pre, like you said, with create react app where yeah. I can just get everything I need sort of deal. And the router is a, is a great example of like something like, I just, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get why I can't write this myself. Like I don't usually route, my application so maybe that's not a good example but like but like using what is that like i prefer like writing my own event bus like it's easy it's not a lot of code and i don't have to use you know a third-party app that i have to learn and have a you know learning curve towards so there's these little things like routing like passing events like i just feel like personally i want to write them myself and not rely on other like libraries yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it is true like the the good thing about create react app like just to throw one example out there is that you get everything the bad thing about create react app is that you get everything right it's so like mm-hmm. heavy-handed yeah. and which at times is great but at times like when you do have those custom requirements sometimes you get stuck in that specific solution and you don't yep. have a lot of flexibility to say oh i want to do this instead or if you do you have to like eject out of create react app which throws you into just sheer chaos and <laughs> so yeah. like it's the classic sort of, I think, software development debate, right? Like, do you use something that's a little more heavy-handed but does a lot for you, or do you use something lightweight and customizable? And I think it's always going to depend on what people are building, sort of mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. The other, my train of thought came back to me, which is another point I want to make around web components, around like, will they be used in the future more heavily? I think one of the one of the issues way back when was they were they were kind of oversold what they did. I, I think a lot of people don't want to like create a full-blown application without a framework. And so w- web components can be building blocks for them, but they were also kind of oversold in the fact that um, 
you know, uh, you, we still have to use JavaScript for everything. Like there are standards coming our way where you can create uh, the shadow the shadow DOM in an HTML file without any JavaScript, but it's still there's still emerging standards. I think kind of how they were sold in the beginning was like, hey, let's just use HTML, CSS, all these web standards. We're not going to be complicated. We're just going to like make apps. If you can do it without JavaScript, you can. we can use web components and make it come together. That's kind of how it was sold. And that's kind of how it's veering, but we're not even closely there yet, I feel like. Um, we're still in the space of like, we have, to, we have to use a lot of JavaScript. We're still putting, we still can't import CSS files. So we have to like inline HTML and CSS in our, um, you know, in our JavaScript. So it kind of rubs people the wrong way. Like, hey, let's use web standards, but let's put all our all our markup in uh, JavaScript strings. So it's kind of like a half-fulfilled promise that I think we'll get there soon, but we're just not there. And I think that like, when people say, hey, web components failed, that's, I think that's kind of what they mean. But standards are slow to get where they're going. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy experience for your customers? I mean, let's face it, the only way you're going to know that is by actually running it on production. So go figure it out, right? You run it on production, but you need something plugged in so that you can find out where those issues are, where it's slowing down, where it's having bugs. You just you need something like that there. And Raygun is awesome at this. They, they just added the performance monitoring, which is really slick, and it works like a breeze. I, I just, I love it. I love it. It's like, it's like you get the ray gun and you zap the bugs. It's anyway, definitely go check it out. It's going to save you a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of sanity. I mean, let, let's face it, grepping through logs is no fun. And having people not able to tell you that it's too slow because they got sidetracked into Twitter is also not fun. So go check out Raygun. They are definitely going to help you out. There are thousands of customer-centric, customer-focused software companies who use Raygun every day to deliver great experiences for their customers. And if you go to Raygun and you use our link, you can get a 14-day free trial. So you can go check that out at reactroundup.com slash Raygun. Yeah, I, I almost feel like the first the the polymer project at first was sort of ahead of its time because yes. i remember trying it out years ago and because it had to do so much in terms of polyfilling and use things that weren't fully baked like it it was sort of a little too messy for people to really yeah. consider for production apps but i almost wonder because it web components at least to me feels like all these puzzle pieces are starting to be available and they just really need someone to sort of coalesce it or package it up into something that people want. So sort of like a, a polymer, like rebranded or 2.0, that's, mm -hmm. that sort of accepts that, Hey, this is now in all browsers and like pick the, the best for people to use. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah. And I think like, like Salesforce by lightning and like stencil, like they're, they all have those ecosystems there. It's just, I don't know. I, I like building my own stuff, so I haven't gone there. I like the freedom to build my own stuff, so I haven't gone into an ecosystem. But from what I hear, they're, they're great ecosystems that are kind of all there for you. So in some regards, we're, we're kind of there. But And I had a question for you that kind of, TJ kind of mentioned when he was talking about Create React app. One of the, mm -hmm. the main drawbacks to something like that is server-side rendering. That's always been a problem you know, mm -hmm. that's what Next.js attempts to solve. It's what Gatsby solves. 
it's SEO friendly, all that stuff. How do web components stack up in terms of SEO and, and server side? Does that, do they work for that? So that's out of, so I have never had a use for server-side rendering. I don't know much about SEO. I will say that SSR has been a sticking point of everybody piling on web components and saying, well, it doesn't do SSR. But in fact, I think, you know, last I heard a Google Polymer team was working on some easy SSR solutions. And I think like, if you dig into the problem, you can do SSR. I, you know, I'm going to throw out a term there, like hydration was was the problem i don't i don't really recall so it's out of my expertise but i i I know it's possible and they're working on easier solutions to get there so that's all i can say (laughs) that's fair enough you know i haven't looked into it a whole lot either because my own application that my team works on is an internal one so seo has never been a thing for us as well as ssr so we actually use create react app Mm -hmm. but i know for companies that are open to the rest of the world, that is a problem that they care about. So I'm just wondering how web components stack up. Yeah, there's so many problems I just don't... Well, I I won't say I don't care about them. I just don't run into because like if I'm doing a painting app, I'm not going to server-side render it. So like it's not my daily like problem. (laughs) So I'm curious for people that are sort of hearing about or, or thinking about web components for the first time, what are your sort of recommended like first steps? Like if you were wanted to like get tinker with them and say like your next app that you're building is there like a good starting point or the things you recommend to like build or experiment with to try first like are there certain components that you should sort of tinker with i would say if you want to go completely vanilla javascript uh, i guess i'll throw a plug in for my book i mean my my book walks you through lots of different examples uh, you're building like color pickers, you're building um, like to-do kind of apps, all with vanilla JavaScript. So if you got my book, or at least just went to my repo that holds my code examples, you could see that even without buying my book, I shouldn't say that. But so you can start there. But also if you want to get in, like the my book is kind of like divorced from any frameworks or anything. Um, so it's a good uh, it's a good intro to like standards based uh, web components. However, if you want to get into more of the lit element side, you know just just go to the lit element website, uh, download their examples, uh, figure out how to build like the starting application there. If you want to get more support, um, the Polymer team has a great Slack channel that everybody's super helpful on. I think that's where I'd start. Like for like I said, for more like, I just want to learn things, maybe get my book or even someone else's book. If you want to get in and just start writing applications in a super easy way, maybe just start with a lit element. So you said that at work, you've been doing stuff with canvases, 2D and 3D. Have you been using web components for any other stuff like outside of work for just passion projects or fun stuff on the side? I'm always doing passion projects. And hopefully, like I said, hopefully I finish them. This, <laughs> this time, fingers crossed, I have been working on, I've been playing with uh, TensorFlow.js and TensorFlow is Google's machine learning library, I guess. It's super speedy. I've been using it for body pose tracking and facial tracking. So I can set up a web camera in my living room and say, and, and point it at me and it'll capture all my body poses. And it actually gives you, even though it's a 2D camera, it'll give you a 3D representation of your head. So I've been kind of, I've been kind of working on something where I'm over, I'm interpreting the body pose points in 3D and mapping them into 3D space and using paper cutout characters like 2D assets 
and like mapping them to my body and doing pose capture. And it's a fun little, I mean, like, I don't know how old we are around here, but like back in the, back in college, I used to play uh, Parappa the Rappa, very cartoon cutout style animation. Yeah. And I, it really stuck with me after all these years. And I have something going with Babylon JS with web components that is actually achieving that. And I'm hoping to I'm hoping to release it if it works out. I'm always at that stage where I'm like, this doesn't look perfect. I need to tweak it, but it's it's coming along pretty well so far. So that's my big that's my big like side project right today. <laughs> I'm very nostalgic for that area of of I think gaming where like graphics were good enough to do 3D, but not good enough to do 3D particularly well. So uh-huh, yep. yeah, it's like the the box base, like everything was like a weird polygon, but it still kind of worked. And it's actually it was kind of fun. It's kind, of it retro. Time. it's kind of retro now, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Paper Mario look and feel kind of, of yep. being in a comic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. That sounds really fun. I would totally check that out if you, if you release it to the public. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's lots. I mean, 3D. This is what I mean when I say, like, web components have just saved me. Like, I don't have to think about them. Like... 3D math is really hard, especially in this environment that I just talked about. And like, if I had to worry about like React issues, like I'd just be overwhelmed. And now I can focus on the 3D aspect of my application, just put up some 2D UI. I don't have to worry about like frameworks and stuff like that. I have to worry about the hard bits of my application, which is what is really fun. So one thing I want to dive into with web components, because I know historically the term is meant, like it sort of encompasses multiple different APIs, right? Because there's, and this is where you're going to have to help me because there's sure. custom elements, right? Because yep. that's the bit that just gives you component APIs and shadow DOM, right? Yep. Like to help like isolate things are what's the status of because I know HTML imports at some point was thrown into that. Is that something that's still a thing or what's the status of that? So HTML templates used to be the trifecta, but it's kind of dropped out of the t- trifecta as the best standard. And the reason for that is because we're hoping to import HTML. We're hoping to import CSS. We're actually hoping to import like, you know, JSON or whatever, wherever you want. Like that's that's one of the things like, like when you're in that React ecosystem, when you're in that Webpack ecosystem, you can just like import CSS. You can import my image. Yeah. And that's that's not a website standard. So that that is the dream. Like right now, if you want to put HTML or CSS in your application, you have to like put it in a string and whatever. So this the status of that, I think I feel like it's been promised coming to Chrome for quite a while. And it's it's one of the situations I you know it, I think it changes day to day what the status is, but the the usually the problem is like Chrome announces they're going to do it, but then like Firefox and Safari have to be dragged into it as well um so so it's it's not here yet and hopefully you know they keep i keep hearing promises about it like it's coming soon it's coming soon it's gonna be awesome when it comes it's just not here yet so there's there's front-end tooling like in my in my application today like at adobe the prototype i'm working on like we are we are importing css but there's some front-end tooling behind it so it looks like we're importing it but we're not really it's not a it's not a web standard and so when you say, just I'm clear here, when you're saying mm-hmm. like import CSS, you're talking about you're in a JavaScript file, there's mm-hmm. some CSS associated with it. So you have like some sort of import statement that like brings in the the CSS yeah. that's associated with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, there is a, what is what is the feature? It's um, uh, adopted style sheets. That's, that is like the preliminary feature for using CSS in this way. So, so basically aside and, from, the, what's that? 
Oh, and that's the name of like the spec. Is is that it? Like that's the that's the feature. I mean, it's it's in Chrome today. I feel like it's almost in Firefox if it's not in Firefox. But so adopted style sheets are this thing where you can import a style sheet, use a style sheet, and use uh, like the the same memory reference style sheet elsewhere in your application. So you can adopt that style sheet from different parts of your application. And so once we have CSS imports in there, it's going to use that same memory reference if you've already used it. So it's, it's kind of like that situation where we're building up to this grand thing, but we're taking it step by step. And presumably like when once this ships as like a standard, we'll have things like probably like what you're doing at Adobe, right? Where we polyfill it until... because. I'm sure it'll ship in Chrome and then it'll be like a year before it goes in Firefox and like three years before Safari. Yeah. So <laughs> if you have to imagine if yeah. you're using, if you're using lit element, it's actually uh, po- uh, adopted style sheets are already polyfilled in there. So you're going to use, ah. you're going to use them if your browser supports it. So it's not one of those things like, it's probably not going to be one of those things normal developers even know about or, say, I'm going to use this. It's just something they're going to fall into by whatever environment they're using. That is kind of fun. I like the idea of just using whatever the standard's going to be mm-hmm. for now and just rely on whatever it is under the hood to make it happen. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I appreciate most that I don't have to think about it and it just works. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the stuff that gives me nightmares too. Like when something goes <laughs> wrong, you're like, I didn't have to think about this before. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> then you Google those obscure errors and yep, find out yep. that Stack Overflow. Yeah, you know, I mean, Paige and I were talking before the show. I was just telling, I was just telling her, like, just like my nightmares. I was just having issues with TypeScript and like stuff yesterday, and uh, I'm still, I'm still a little hungover from my problems yesterday. <laughs> oh, so that's a great question. How is it using TypeScript and web components together? That's something I haven't heard about before. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm new to TypeScript. I was always kind of like I, in addition to my pure vanilla JavaScript kind of like mindset, I don't like like TypeScript's fine. Like if it was a normal part of the browser, like sure, that's great. It's a great syntax, but I don't like having front end tooling, having to transpile things, and then you know it's one level of interaction or multiple levels of interaction. But in terms of in terms of uh, web components and TypeScript, they work great. In fact, if you use lit element, web components are a little better because you can use decorators for like querying elements in your component. You can use them for properties and such. So yeah, I've I've really not had any problems with TypeScript and web components. The problems I've had with TypeScript lately are just like using third-party bundles or third-party libraries and having them be common JS. Because one of the one of the things I like to do is not bundling, just like serving up my application going going buildless. So using ES6 modules all over the place for everything and just like serving up, just like loading that HTML and going to town. So, and that, you know, the, the problems I was having yesterday is just like when when JavaScript libraries don't have ES6 modules and they're using common JS and I have to like figure out. And that's where my problems were yesterday with, with, uh, with TypeScript. But yeah, like TypeScript, I can't think of a single problem I've had with web components in TypeScript. So I have nothing to say. <laughs> You're you're living the dream with a like I, a no bundle system, man. Like most know, of us have right? a build system that we have no <laughs> idea about. Like <laughs> got like a six hundred line webpack config that I'm pretty sure is like also tied into my like kitchen or something because it's it's like doing a complete bunch of nonsense. So uh-huh. I, actually, I'd be curious about just even that portion of it, like ES modules and such, mm-hmm. just because like typically 
And I tend to use just what React recommends, yeah. <laughs> right? And like some of the default Webpack stuff. So uh, does ES modules sort of play into like the same sort of picture? Like, is that something that's easier to use with web components or how, how does all that work? I think it's, I think it's a favorite. It might be a favorite of the web components community just because it's a little easier to use and it's kind of outside this gigantic ecosystem. So I think it fits the same mindset, but it's not because it's web components that we like to use going build this like this. So, so basically if, if you don't use bare modules, if you're just like using direct import references that, you know, don't need any resolution whatsoever, you can just load up that HTML file in any server and it's going to work just fine. The problem is when you start having these modules like uh, lit, I mean, it's not a problem. It's it's a best practice, but it's still annoying that you have to use some other server for this. So I'll take lit element, for example, like when you go into lit element, you import lit element from lit element. And you don't specify, well, this is in my node modules folder and give a complete path to it. You just say lit element. That's where I'm importing it from. So it's going to reference something to look that up. If you just use a normal server, it can't look it up. So that's why we're using the, the modern web, formerly OpenWC's ES dev server or now web dev server. So that has a a, like a COA server behind it, and it'll do those module resolutions. It's super lightweight, and you can um, you can kind of mix in rollup plugins with it if you need any additional transformations. But usually, I'm just using it as a simple server, and it just does that bare module resolution. So it's kind of one step above using a normal server, but it's kind of really nice to work with. Are there any performance concerns with that? Because is it? Because I presumably then it's doing like a whole bunch of requests. Like if you mm -hmm. have a large app, right, to resolve these things, is, are there performance concerns from doing that? Or are just modern browsers pretty smart to optimize that sort of thing? So I should say that when I do go to production, I do bundle it with Rollup. So that doesn't happen. However, I've heard, I, I'm not, I'm no network expert. I just, I'm always, I've always been in the habit, habit of bundling for production. So that hasn't changed for me. Okay. I have heard, I have heard people say like, well, it's HTTP2, things are cached. You can do this in production. I don't know that I've heard that for a while. I don't know if that's true or not, but for, for just everyday development, like your development tasks, yeah, it's completely fine. I've, I've run into no issues with just, you know, serving everything up as bare modules, as modules. Yeah, we're going to have to get an H, like I've, I'm sort of in the same boat of you as like HTTP2 for a while was heralded as, oh, you don't need to worry about combining resources anymore. But I feel like I feel, I hear like conflicting information about that. Mm -hmm. so yeah, we have to get somebody on here that like knows that spec in and out to like, to end this discussion because uh -huh. I'm still not totally sure what I'm quote unquote supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the standby of bundling all in, you know, bundling all in one bundle or like being smart about your bundles, you know, with rollup or however you choose to use it is the de facto way to go to production these days. But it'd be nice if we just use HTTP2 and like not do anything anymore. But I'm scared yep. to do so. <laughs> well, at this point, we've covered web components here. Is there any mm -hmm. topic related to this that you think we haven't covered that we should we should get into about web components? I will throw out, you know, one, just a small tidbit. I've been following Web Component Bytes. So if you like news, and I don't even know who this person is, but I just subscribe to their mailing list. Web Component Bytes just gives you little snippets in your inbox every week of newest Web Component uh, news and like tidbits. So it's a pretty nice thing to follow. But that's all I can really think of right now. Well, cool. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. 
We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. So at that point, why don't we move into our picks? So Paige, you want to kick us off? Sure. So my pick this week is actually going to be a website that I've been using a lot more since quarantine has started and I've been needing to get more creative in the kitchen. It is called allrecipes.com and they have an app, they have a website. They've been around for years and years and they've always been great, but I felt find myself turning to them a lot more recently because I just need inspiration what to do with chicken and pork and vegetables to make it interesting since there's a lot less eating out and restaurants happening as of late. So I would highly recommend it. It's got some really great filtering. If you like if you put in, I don't know, a pork tenderloin marinade, you it's got some great filtering. So you can find like the most liked ones, the most highly rated and stuff like that, which I find really helpful to determine like what's a great recipe versus what's just something somebody put up and they thought it was great, but nobody else really cared for it. So that's going to be my pick for this week is all recipes. <laughs> cool. So for this week, I'm going to pick not a specific uh, thing, but sort of an idea. So we've been redoing parts of our house here over the last year, figuring you know we're not going anywhere travel-wise. So we've been doing some work on the house and such. And we did some painting and we were debating like what to put up on the wall in terms of art. And like, I've always never been an art person, right? I don't know, like I go into like the art section and I'm totally confused, like, right, I don't know what I want. So we finally settled on the idea of just getting canvas prints of some things that pictures we had taken from traveling to places. So just scenic pictures and just went and we worked with a place local. But I know there's online services for doing this, basically taking pictures, throwing them up on the wall. And so I'm just picturing, throwing out that idea for anybody who's struggling, like, what am I going to fill this wall with? Because it's kind of fun because then the picture is a little more personal. It's not just some random thing you found at a store, but it sort of evokes a memory of, hey, remember when we were here, you have people over, you can tell them about, actually, this is a picture we took. So just an idea to throw out there. I don't have a specific service in mind, but I know there are places you can get like canvas prints of photos online. So something to consider. Cool. And Ben, do you have any picks? You know, I like I was telling Paige at the start of this, I didn't know what a pick was. So it's just anything that inspired you over the week? Literally anything. I mean, I didn't okay. even I picked an idea. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on, right on. I I have to tell you, I'll I'll say what this is. If your if your listeners go to look this up, just be aware that it's, you know, harsher language because it's by the South Park guys. However, I've been super impressed by what they put out called Sassy Justice. It's basically a, uh, it's deep. They've, I think they created a, like some kind of expensive studio creating deep fakes. It's super impressive. They're, they're actually like taking famous people like Al Gore, like Trump, and like superimposing their images using deep fake technology over their own faces, their, their own actors' faces. And they created this 15-minute video using this it's typical like crude south park behavior but it's super impressive just how how well it's done and kind of scary what our future will hold that it is this well done yeah i've seen like some you see clips of these sort of things too and like it's nice that now at least for now they're typically like labeled as like hey check out what this technology can do i'm sort of scared in the era because we're like one step away from people being able to like 
really question the reality of any video you see. No, I mean, I think this, one of the reasons I appreciate this video as well is because it's all about using deep fakes. It's, it's, it's basically a fake news report about deep fakes. So that it's very <laughs> in your face. Like we are using deep fake technology. Do not believe anything you see. So that's one of the reasons I like this, but but if it was more subtly done, you'd never know it. It's just so well done. Well, very cool. Well, Ben, this was awesome. This was a lot of fun. I guess to leave us our final question, where's the best place? Like if people want to follow you, uh, ask any questions, maybe if they want to buy your book, you want mm -hmm. to drop us with some like links or places to find you and such? Sure. You can always find me at, at benfarrell.com. That's my website. My email address is ben at benfarrell.com. And uh, you can buy my book at manning.com slash web components in action or Amazon, whatever you prefer. Well, very cool. Well, thanks for thanks for joining us today, Ben. This is an awesome conversation. And thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Until next week. See you later. Bye, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.